to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I remember my mom in the um, medical room saying, but she has a little girl. She has a little girl. As if, as if that's claiming that I'm a mum would would suddenly fix the prognosis. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I found Kate on Instagram and I was hooked. Kate is pure light. You look at her and you can't help but smile. There is something about her wild golden hair and huge grin that makes you love her immediately. Or maybe it has something to do with her being diagnosed with terminal cancer as a solo parent with a two-year-old. This interview floored me. I cried during it and listening back to it. It made me feel so vulnerable and small. I know what it's like to lose your mum as an only child to cancer. Even though I was much older than Kate's daughter, it really shook me up. And on the other side, I also have a two-year-old child now, so this interview really made an impact. If you're hearing me stutter or searching for words, that's why. Disclaimer. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes and to share Kate's story, not to be taken as medical advice. For medical advice, consult your doctor. I just feel really honoured to have you speak with me today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the acknowledgement. I appreciate that. I want to start by talking about Annabelle. Oh. <laughs> even, <laughs> even her name brings me happy tears. Yeah, my little, um, my little treasure, my little girl. Yeah, she's four. Um, I just have one, one child. Uh, she's four years old and she's the absolute apple of my eye. She brings me so much pleasure. We have so much, uh, so much love in our little house. Yeah, Annabelle. And you're a single mum. I am. Yeah. Tell me um, a little bit about your experience with the end of that relationship and how you became a single mother. Um, well, firstly, I don't like the term single mum. It makes me feel like I'm at the uh, Centrelink office with my hand out. I'm a solo parent. Is, um, is <laughs> Got it. Just a, there we go. Solo parent. Um, yeah, look, Love it. it, it it's, it's a pretty horrific story, I've got to say. So, and it, 
you know, this story brings us to the next story, which we'll, we'll, we'll touch on in a minute. But when I was pregnant with our daughter, um, I mean, I was very much in love. My husband and I were together and had an incredible relationship. But when I was pregnant with her, um, I didn't realise, but he was he was getting addicted to methamphetamine, to ice. So it was only when she was three weeks old, I came to the realisation that he, he was using drugs. Um, now, the story goes on. He went into rehab and out of rehab and said, you know, darling, I will stop using and I'm not using and would deny it. And I found... Um, infidelity and prostitutes and and money was going missing and we had to sell our house and it was a pretty horrific story it was only when um annabelle was one um i found her on the floor with an ice pipe in her hand um (gasps) falling out of his shorts or his trousers or something and i and look i stuck by him i stuck by him through the affairs. I stuck by him through him losing his job, his career, you know, having to sell the house. I stuck by him. I thought, you know, we will make it as a couple because we have love and my love for you will bring you through. When you find your child 12 months old on the floor with a fucking ice pipe in, 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 in their hand, the, you know what, there, there was no going back. There was no saying, look, we can try and we'll get through this. It was, it was over. So I, I literally grabbed my child and I left. Um, you know, I had no couch and no TV and no fridge um, and no no actual family support here. My family are in England, um, but it was a step that I had to make. There was no there was no choices there. So um, that is how I became a solo parent. Can I ask, your relationship with him was normal? I'm assuming you married him up until a point. It was a healthy relationship. Was there something that that turned? Have you found out reasons why? No, no, no reason why. We had a fantastic relationship. We were that couple. We were in the love bubble. We did wonderful things. We traveled. We had a great time. Um, and the, I suppose the wheels started sort of slowly coming up. You know, I, I, I liked to clean house. He was messy. You know, he had some money trouble. You know, little things, but nothing major. Um, he always had quite an addictive personality. So when he was a smoker, before I knew him, he'd have to get up in the middle of the night and have an extra cigarette. Um, and when he was a drinker, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon, it wouldn't be a couple of beers, it would be two six-packs. So he he had quite an addictive personality. When he would eat, he'd overeat. He was quite an obese man. Um, so I think he just found something that he enjoyed. I think he stumbled into it. Um, he found a drug that gave him a kick and then it was really hard to come off it. Well, he couldn't come off it. So... Um, mm. but, but no, as, as a relationship, we were great. We were solid. We had a lot of fun and I, I adored him. I really did. Is he still... Uh, addicted? I have no knowledge of him whatsoever. Um, I don't know where he lives. I mean, he has been living on the streets. His car was burnt out. Um, you know, we've had police looking for him. I don't know where he is now. I think he, um, as far as I know, um, I mean, he came out of rehab again. I do know that. Um, I, I don't know where he is. I, I like to think that he's getting himself together. I, I, in my heart, I believe he is. He may have somewhere to live now and I'm hoping he has a job and things like that. But we have not had any connection for two and a half years. I, I don't know where he is. He could, be, he could be dead for all I know, but I'm pretty sure he's not. I'm still very connected to his family. They've become my family. If anything you know, awful had, ha- had happened, I would, I would know about it. But um, is he still addicted? Oh. I have no idea. No idea. Do you feel like this had an impact to the start of 2018 and can you tell us what happened 100 percent. this had an impact so um you know just shorten it down you know I had a pretty shitty you know year uh I left uh, rented an apartment with my daughter um you know 
it was a very dark time. I went on to antidepressants um, and I just had to try and get through. I had to run my business and still take care of my child. And um, 2018, I started getting some aches and pains. I'd been going to the gym a lot. I went, right, come on, let's get your fucking life together, Kate. You can't sit on the couch, keep drinking wine. <laughs> so um, I got a personal trainer and I was going three, four, five times a week and I was loving it, you know, and I, my body was starting to change, but I'd get a pain in my lower back and then it would move to my shoulder then it would change to my rib and I wasn't quite sure what was going on so I'm not someone that goes to the doctor a lot but I'd go and they go well go and see a chiropractor I did that a couple of months later I started coughing blood um, and was told it was bronchitis two weeks later I was coughing more blood they said it's just bronchitis let's fast forward a few months I had pains in my chest went to the doctor again they said okay let's do something about it. let's get you an x-ray um, that day I was diagnosed with lung cancer. Now, it is said that you hold certain emotions in certain organs in your body. You hold grief in your lungs. Um, the, 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 the prognosis was six months. I was given six months to live and they said, look, you, the, the lung cancer has metastasized, which means it has moved around the body. It is in your ribs, you know, not one, it's in multiple ribs. It's in multiple areas of your spine, your hip, your shoulders, your pelvis, your liver, your lymph nodes. Um, and I was told there is no way out of this. No one with this type of cancer has ever survived. So here I am, solo parent, diagnosed that I have only, you know, only, only, only months to live. I need to know about that moment for you. Do you remember, I mean, I'm sure you can't even put that into words, but <laughs> what happens? What happens in that moment? Um, yeah, I mean, that takes me back to a very, very dark, dark time. So, I mean, remember, this is only 18 months ago. Um, I mean, I, 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 I truly didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I was 39. I was a non-smoker. I was going to the gym. I always thought I was, I was healthy. I was fit. And, you know, I would be told by the doctor, looks like you have cancer. I kind of brushed it off. I went, well, that's just poppycock. Um, and then they said, well, we want you to come to hospital tomorrow. And I would meet with a lung specialist. And he said, look, look you've got lung cancer. And I thought, rubbish. What's, what does he know? And then my parents flew out from England because things weren't looking good. And I said, I'll be fine. It's just, it's a, it's a glitch. Um, but when they actually, when I was told, so first I was told, look, you, you have cancer. And then they said, we are going to think of, of chemo and radio. And I thought, well, that's absolutely fine. And I said, well, what, 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 you know, how ill am I? And they said, we don't think you have long to live. That's when it hits you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then by now I'd heard it from the GP. I'd heard it from a lung specialist. I've heard it from the radiologist. And then later on, I heard it from the head oncologist as well. So when you have this whole team of medical professionals saying, you are going to die, um, you kind of have to take that on board. You go, holy shit, this is, this is not good. How old is Annabelle at, uh, on this day? She's four. She's, she's, she's two. She's two. So she's, she's just short just of her. Just two? She's short of her third birthday. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm imagining the immediate thought is to her when you hear that you don't have long to live. Um, I remember my mum in the um, medical room saying, but she has a little girl. She has a little girl, as if as if that claiming that I'm a mum would would suddenly fix the prognosis. Okay, well we'll we'll really try harder to save your life. It you know it wasn't going to work. That was it, whether I'm a mum or not. So immediately, my thought went to my child, and immediately, I'm a very logical person, you know. So it's like, right, who will adopt my baby? 
you know, I don't want to send her to England. That's where my parents live. She could live with her other grandparents here, my husband's, you know, parents. I'm very close to them, but they're in 70. So logically, I was like, who am I going to ask to adopt my child when I die in a few months' time? I can't. I mean, I'm trying to just be professional here and hold this interview, but I have a two-year-old and I cannot. Um, I just, the next steps that you're going through, do you take that, do you take what the doctors are saying and you go, righto, I'm going to create a bucket list and I'm just going to go down in a, in a, you know, like what, what, what do you, how how long does it take (laughs) to figure out this plan? Um, Well, look, I, I hit the ground running. I mean, I had two very dark days. I've been told by a whole medical team, you know, Australia's finest, you're going to die. You, you can't reject that and you can't deny that and you can't stand against that. So for two dark days, I thought, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I mean, I did say in that medical room, I said, this will be the biggest fucking fight of my life. And I think my mum just looked at me with, with pity and she held my hand and she said, life's just not fair, darling. So the words coming out, even she didn't believe it. She said, you know, this is, this is what the, the, the path that we're on now. Um, and I left the hospital and I, you know, and I did think I, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But within two days, uh, my mindset had changed because I started asking questions. I started knocking on doors. I started listening and hearing what other people had to say. And, and, and other people set me on the journey that has um, subsequently got me where I am today. So they said you're terminal. What were your options from the doctors? Did they say there's a treatment process, we can do an operation? What we, what happened? Like what's next steps? Yeah, okay. So the, the primary was in my lung. Um, I said operate on my lung, take my lung out. Um, yes. And, 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 and I asked that question twice, no. Chemotherapy, but yeah, originally they said chemotherapy. So in my head, I went, okay, I'd already yes. planned the hairdresser who I'd go to to cut my hair. Not that I'm vain, not that I, you know, have an ego, but I wanted still to look like mummy. You know, I went, okay, yes. I've got long hair past my shoulders. I'll go to a bob, then I'll go to a pixie cut, then I can have it also. I'm, again, I'm very logical yes. in this. Um, yes. And then it was said, look, we're not going to give you chemo. Instead, we're going to put you on a targeted therapy drug. They were very excited by this. They said, okay, if we think you're a good candidate, you're going to go on this drug, we might get you an extra year to live. I'm thinking, I'm 39. You're going to get me another 12 months to live and you're excited by that? I I was still shaking my head. So um, that was all we could do. They said, let's give you some radiation on your hip because that's where there's a lot of pain. It will not kill any of the cancer. And I just went ahead with that, even though I didn't have that much pain. Um, mm-hmm. I went ahead with that and then they popped me on a targeted therapy drug and said, take this and it may or may not give you an extra year or so to live. So um, then I had to get uh, another plan in place. And talk to me about your alternative plan. Well, it wasn't that I, so I should, I should have said that. Um, someone came to me and said, Kate, you know, this is pretty dire. Things are pretty awful, but there is a clinic overseas um, and I think you should go. I went to see a um, a professional, um, she's a a naturopath, she studies oncology, and she said, Kate, there's a clinic overseas and I think you should go. Um, Right then and right there, my mind was made up. I thought, there's there's, there's nothing here going to save my life. There's nothing in Australia that's going to do it. So I have to do something pretty radical here. 
Um, so I looked into a clinic. It's in Mexico. It's called Hope for Cancer. Um, I've never been to Mexico. I don't speak Spanish. Um, it cost me $65,000. At one point I said, I can't, sp- I can't, I'm not worthy of spending all that money on myself. Then I looked at my little girl who was two years old and I said, you know what? I will do whatever I need to do to save my life for my little girl. So that's what I did. Within two weeks, I was on a plane off to Mexico to, um, to try and save my life. Was this two weeks after the diagnosis? Yes. Was this how? Yeah. And then was there any part of you that felt vulnerable that maybe this place was fraudulent, that maybe they are going to take your 65,000? Like, had yes. you heard from the horse's <laughs> mouth that this works? What, or were no. you just going to tr- throw it all in and trust? I mean, I was lobbing my money at anything that would would give me a little. All I needed right now was a little bit of positivity, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of hope. I just needed someone to say, you know what? We're going to care for you. We're going to try our hardest. We're going to do whatever we can for you. That's all I needed. So, um, I wasn't. I didn't know cancer clinics existed around the world. I didn't know I could go to Germany or China or Thailand or Mexico for treatment because I don't know anything about cancer. I've never known anyone with cancer. So this was a completely new playing field for me. But to have two people, both in a medical industry, say, hey, there's a clinic overseas, and they mentioned the same one. Um, So I had no idea what I was, I had no idea what I was up against. And my stepfather said, you know, you might die over there, Kate. And I said, well, you know what? At least I'll die trying. So saying goodbye to my, to my little girl and not knowing if I was going to come back was by far the hardest thing I went through. Fighting cancer was not hard. Saying goodbye to my child was hard. And trying to keep a brave face while doing so, that was the hardest thing. What? Did people think about this? What did your parents say when when you said, I'm dropping 65 grand, which I'm assuming <laughs> not everyone just has it to their disposal. Uh, did anybody doubt this? No one doubted it. No one could, they knew what, the, how awful the prognosis was. No, I uh-huh. don't have an, an easy 65K sitting in my bank account. I had to beg, steal, borrow, you know, remortgage the house and do this and, you know, borrow against the business. Um, but it... it there was, I, I mean, I'm in a privileged position in that I wasn't given any hope. I wasn't given another option. If there was option A, option B, and perhaps option C, then mm. you think, oh, I'm not sure. But there was nothing here in Australia that was going to save my life. So, no, everybody said, you know what, go and do it. I've, I've always done radical shit. I've always done sort of putting <laughs> out this stuff. So everyone I knew went, you know what, go get them, cowboy. Go do it. What did you tell the oncology team and the doctors and the surgeons and the GP? What did you say? I I told my oncologist that I had to visit my grandfather in England before I died. Basically, <laughs> I was told do you, not do not you, do not travel, do not leave the country. Um, and I had this little twinkle in my eye, and I'm, I'm I'm a terrible liar. I was probably blushing at the same time. I said I need to see my granddad. Um, I went to my doctor and she was always a fantastic doctor, very supportive. She helped me with pregnancy. She helped me through depression, losing my husband. And, um, and I told her and she said, it's a ridiculous idea. Uh, I told her that I believed sugar feeds cancer. I said, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. Sugar feeds cancer. She said, that's ridiculous, Kate. If that were the case, we'd all have cancer. If I were you, I'd go home, drink wine, spend time with your daughter before you pass away. Needless to say, a year and a half on, I've never been back to the fucking woman again. 
um, you know, wow. those words right there um, would be almost killing people, you know. So I, I went against the medical professional's recommendations and I went, you know what, I have to run my own race here. So on a plane I got and off to Mexico I went. What happens in Mexico? Like do they, do they give you a bit of a consult first and see if you qualify and then when you get there, how long are you there and talk me through the treatments? Clinics are all happy to get you on, uh, on you know, in, in the clinic doors because they make a lot, an awful lot of money, don't they? So there is a screening process. They want to know your, the, 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 the diagnosis. They want your scan results, da, 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 da. And we have a chat on the phone a few times. Uh, you send your money in American dollars and then they're like, right, come on over. I was very lucky. It's in Cancun. I don't know if you've been to Mexico before, but it's the Caribbean Ocean. It's white sands, palm trees, blue skies, blue, blue ocean. It's, it's pretty incredible. You're accommodated in a five-star hotel. Um, and it is a, um, a clinic environment. So you are driven every day into the clinic by a private, private car. Um, I mean, you know, you're paying for this. This is five star treatment here. You are paying for it. Um, mm. and it is six days a week. You have one day off a week and it is seven hours a day of pure non toxic, uh, therapy. So a lot of heat therapy, heat, heat, um, cancer cells are quite weak. So a lot of heat therapy. Um, we would do a clonic a week because you're detoxing as well. So mm-hmm. green juice. Um, every day, plant-based diet, coffee enemas every day, a lot of IVs, so B17, curcumin, um, vitamin C, also a lot of um, emotional well-being as well. They acknowledge the emotional side of cancer. So I, I, I've always said to myself, and I've said it every single day since I've been diagnosed, someone said to me, look, Kate, if your mind can get you into this, then your mind can get you out of it. Now, I don't for a minute think it was my body that failed me. It was my emotional state. It was my grief. It was my depression. It was my heartbreak. It was everything else that goes with losing, um, you know, a, a partner um, in such a such a vile way, you know, to methamphetamine. Um, and I say lose. I lost my marriage. I lost my best friend. I lost, you know, my, my family, my unity. He's still alive somewhere. I don't know where. Um, so... Mm-hmm. It's, it, there's a lot of mindset that goes into it. But, but from, from day one in getting to Mexico, I said, this is the path for me. I started feeling great. Um, and it's just, just worked out for me. So it's $20,000 a week and then you leave. And yep. how, I mean, what happens next? Do you start testing with scans again, are you, and then at home, are you changing your lifestyle? Are you, are you trying to access some of these therapies at home? Like what are your steps when you get back? Yeah. All, good question. All of the above. Um, so you're only there for three week protocol. You're sent back with three months medication and what you're taught there, you continue in, in everyday life. So what I said, I mean, I was, I had my, I was very privileged in my, eventually my life insurance was paid out when you're, when you're given less than 24 months to live, you know, you get, you get your insurance. So I said, look, I'm going to give up work and I'm going to give this a red hot go. So, um, my days would be five hours a day at home doing my own treatments um, going to, um, infusion clinics and doing the coffee enemas and drinking green juice and heat therapies and colonics. And, and I was, I was living the life that I did in, in Mexico. So the clinic life is what I replicated back home. Um, yeah, life changes pretty rapidly overnight. You know, you, you, you've got one hit at the ball, I say. So, um, CBD, THC, there's a dog worming protocol. We're all using off label drugs. Um, yeah, life, life changed and it has changed me. You know, I'm a year and a half in now and I'm still, still sitting with these protocols. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Are you like pre-cancer and pre-treatment, were you open to alternative therapies? Have you always been open-minded? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm English. I believe we go to, if you're sick, you go to a doctor, you know, um, that's, that's, I'm very black and white. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I did have a naturopath and I do believe she did assist me in falling pregnant when the medical industry couldn't, but generally I would go to a doctor. If I have a cough, I go to the doctor. If I, you know, cut my finger, I go to the doctor. So no, I wasn't open and I wasn't, that's not a, an area that I was um, um, aware of at all, but I got thrown in at the deep end and I learned to swim very quickly. Next week, we speak to Sandra. In those days, if we went out as in drag, we used to get bashed by the coppers, right? Because we were in drag. But in the same token, through this happening and my standing up and in the 70s, I'm sex change, I'm a um, drag show performer, I'm a prostitute, all this. They had the utmost respect for me for gunning this guy. Do you know what I mean? Because I, hell or high water, I don't give a fuck what people think about me, but you do not have the right to do that to me. Now back to Kate. Did you test to see if that investment paid off? Like where was your cancer post-Mexico? Yeah. Okay. Good question. So you're, you're tested on the way in at the clinic and then you're tested on the way out. So my blood, my cancer markers had dropped significantly on the way out. I'd, I'd gone in with seven cancerous lymph nodes in my throat. I came out with just one that had cancer. Now that was their findings in Mexico, you know, mm. and still you're a bit kind of questionable and you go, okay, well, that's, that's nice. But do I really believe it? So let's fast forward a couple of months. I have digital imaging. I go to the hospital. I have a PET scan. They said, holy macaroni, um, your cancer has, has reduced by 75%. There's no <gasps> cancer in your lymph nodes. The, the tumour in your lung has gone from the size of an apple down to the size of a grape. We can hardly find any cancer in your liver. Your metastases are drying up. So this is after three months, but realistically, it's after three weeks of being in Mexico. So by the time they scanned me, that's 12 months after being, being diagnosed, they said this is, and that, their words are, this is remarkable. Now, they'll put that down to the targeted therapy drug I'm on. Um, mm-hmm. I would probably put so you're, it down sorry, more to... You're, you're currently still on the targeted drug as well as the alternate Mexican absolutely. treatments? Absolutely, yeah. I okay. throw it in a pot and I do the lot. Yeah, so they put me on a drug. Um, I still take that. I'm not sure if I'm going to come off that soon or, or what. So the hospital would probably put it down to, well, they would have to put it down to the drug that they have me on. Mexico would put it down to probably their protocol. I -hmm. put it on everything. I don't know what's working, what's not working. Um, You know, up until probably last week, I still take 30 medications a day, injections, um, CBD, THC, you name it, I do the lot because something has worked. Um, And whether that's my emotional state, whether that's my mindset, whether that's just the really hard work I've put in, whether it's the drugs I'm on, I don't know. But whatever combination it is, it's worked. Do you 
then do the post three months and then what happens? Do you, do you have to go back to Mexico? You get a complimentary follow-up. But it's the other side of the world. I'm not just hopping across from, you know, mm. Tijuana to Cancun. I'm not hopping across from America. I'm paying big money for big flights to get back over there. So because I'd had my payout, I said, you know what? Right in that hospital room when they said your results are remarkable. I was with my mother-in-law. She and I winked and went, Mexico. So that was it. I went, okay, I'm going back. Um, so the next six weeks later, I got on a plane again and I went back for the full round of treatment. So I went for another three weeks. Um because to me, that's what really worked. Who has Annabelle? She goes to her grandmother. She goes to my ex-husband's mum. So we're still a very united family. I still Got see his other two children. They're my stepkids. I'm friends with, you know, his mum. We have Christmas Day together. We have birthdays okay. together. We celebrate Easter together. They're my family. Yes. So um, the first time my parents were here, so Annabelle spent time with them and um, her other grandmother. The second time she went, she went straight to grandma. Lovely. Um, so, okay. Yeah, it's we, we we knew there was a um, a light at the end of the tunnel. We just have to pull together and make this make this work. So Annabelle, my 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 um biggest accomplishment is that she knows nothing. She's four now. She still knows absolutely nothing. So when I go away, I have to say, Mummy goes away for work. I'm an importer. Mm-hmm. Um, I bring homewares into the country. She's been to Bali with me before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just say, Mummy has to go away and do some shopping. So that's how she so can get a little she- head around it. She has absolutely no idea that you've ever been diagnosed. She doesn't know that what cancer is or that you've had cancer. She doesn't know any of it. Oh, God, no. No, okay. that's a C word. We don't use that word in our house. Absolutely <laughs> not. And if anyone says, hey, Kate, how's treatment? They get a glare from me. Or, you know, uh-huh. are you going to the hospital point? We do not say words like that in our house. No. Okay. Um, you know, mommy, if mummy has a point, medical appointment, it's mummy's going to work. No, 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 no. And I will I do not want her to hear that word cancer or know what cancer is. She's got a whole lifetime ahead of her to know what cancer is. So at the mm-hmm. moment, she's four and I will do anything to protect that little little girl. And all up. So how many times have you visited now? Four. Mexico, four. Four. Okay. So that is a, a large investment in your life, which is the biggest investment. Well, yes. Um, but the clinic have actually... Um, gifted they they gifted me some treatment as well they said this is a gift to annabelle we want you to live um i've become friends with them i i I shout from the rooftops about this clinic you know before before they were you know gifting me treatment they said we want you to come back and um we want you to be well so it was not a gift for me it was a gift for annabelle but in saying that okay so i might have dropped you know i don't i don't know what i might have spent 160 180 thousand dollars I could go out this afternoon and buy a Maserati for 300 grand, you know, or a Ferrari yeah. or a Lamborghini. So really yeah. it depends on, on the balance of life, really. It's a hell of a lot of money, but it saved my life. So I would do that 10 times over if I had to. And I would always find a way. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not wealthy. I'm a single mother, as you to say. Um, I'm, I don't have a lot of money, but um, whatever I've been able to do, I've spent it on my treatments. Because I'm sure lots of people are feeling that they don't have the privilege, that they don't have the options, that they don't have the access. Um, what would you say? Well, then they have to get a protocol of their own, don't they? They have to work out what's going to work for them. Because lots of the things that I was doing in Mexico, you can do here. 
um, you know, the clean eating, the clean thinking, the, 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 the green smoothies, the vegan diet, plant based, the, you know, you can do a lot of it here. The heat therapy, infrared saunas aren't expensive. Um, the home enema kits aren't expensive. So you just got to find the protocol and, and, and follow it. But I don't know that I'd say I'm privileged. I mean, you no. know, I've always worked. I've always saved my money. I've, I've lost my husband to a drug addiction. I've been t- uh, deemed terminally ill with cancer. I don't think it's a privilege. Um, I mean, I got my life insurance because I was sick. Um, I didn't just get a whack, whack in payout because, you know, it's my birthday. Um, so I don't know that um, I'd, I'd take that I was privileged. Good. Okay. I don't believe you are at all, but I know that there would be people that would feel maybe optionless. So I did want to ask you that. Um, can we? Okay, yeah, optionless. All right. I'll, I'll take that optionless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could I ask a little bit deeper into the lifestyle changes that you have made? Because um, I think that the people, you know, that might see that they are optionless would go, oh, okay, where do I start? Now that is do the research, right? Because that's such an insight. But let's talk about um, physical well-being first and then emotional and mental. With your physical, I I mean, I even know that sugar feeds cancer and I'm not a GP, so that was shocking. But removing all alcohol, all sugars, all meats, all dairy, all acidity Mm -hmm. of any kind. Yep. Yep, yep, all, all, all of that, um, all, all rancid oils, so no vegetable oil, no cooking oil. Um, uh, organic, you, you, your body is full of toxins. You know, you've got cancer, it's fighting cancer. You cannot put any other toxins in there. So processed food needs to go, packet food needs to go. Eat organic if you can. I know it's fucking expensive, but it's worth it. Um, everything in your home needs to be non-toxic. So your cleaning products, your face creams, your diffusers, um, candles, all non-toxic, all organic. You know, even the clothing you buy, make sure you're washing it um, in, in, in um, non-toxic laundry powder before you put that on. Let's discuss emotional and mental well-being because this yep. is what you believe, you know, was the domino effect into this space. What has been the most important part of your mental and emotional well-being and support? Ooh, that's a big one. Um, just, I think first you had to acknowledge how damaging, um, the, you know, the past three years was to my emotional well-being, and I also had to acknowledge that it wasn't my fault. Um, you know, as 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 a wife, I played a role in 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 our marriage, but I, I did not. I did not get him on methamphetamine. So I really had no choice. Um, I, and I had, I couldn't change the situation. Um, I was there for him. I loved him. I supported him. So that's what I had to acknowledge is saying, you know, this, I didn't do this. Um, and then I let my emotional well-being just overtake everything. I almost allowed this cancer to happen, sadly. Um, so what you have to learn to do is, is move forward and, um, to, I don't know. I'm going to say I forgive and I'm certainly don't forget, but you have to move forward. You have to exhale. You have to just step into a new chapter. Let go. Let go. Absolutely. And I, and I don't go back and I don't allow my mind to think of the misery and the sadness and the negativity. And I don't think God is an asshole and I hate him and I wish he was dead. I just don't think about him. The difference between love, the opposite to love isn't hate. It's indifference. It's okay. So what? There you go. So, you know, when you say, where is he now? It doesn't make me feel sad. I don't go, oh, I don't know. I'm pining for him. Where is he? I'm, I'm, you know, I want to see him on Facebook. I just go, I don't know. I honestly don't care anymore. Um, so it is, it is letting go and it is moving forwards. 
Did you work through the trauma of that experience, the trauma of the diagnosis with a therapist? See, well, I had a therapist even before before I was diagnosed. I had a, um, um, a therapist to help me through the breakdown of my marriage. That was the hard part. Cancer to me wasn't the hard part. It was losing my marriage to this drug. That was the hard part. Mm. Um, I have always said, and I will always say, that cancer has given me so much more than it's taken away. Mm. It's, it's, it's changed my life. It's changed my health for the better. Um, no one wants to have cancer, you know, period. No one wants to have cancer. Um, and, I, and I wouldn't put it on anybody to have that. But for me, it's just changed my outset. It's just enlightened me. It's opened my eyes um, and, and, and benefited me spiritually, I think. I've, I've shown myself how strong and how capable and how competent um, I've learned to listen to my intuition on a lot of this because I haven't got a doctor on the end of the phone that I can call any day of the week. I haven't got a medical t- team supporting me. I really have been fumbling around in the dark in this journey on my own. It's only mm. when I get off that plane in Mexico, I go, you know what? Now I feel safe. Now I feel nurtured. I'm in a protective nest. These people are here to help me live. Um, but here I I don't have support. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a journey. What does cancer feel like oh um it's such a word isn't it cancer mm. it's such a word I mean it's at, at times it, it's, it's felt like a death sentence it has felt like a noose around your neck it has felt that it dominates everything I do that my first thought in the morning is right how are we going to fight this today the last thought at night is okay how am I going to fight this tomorrow so mm. it has been very controlling um but now I'm I'm, I'm through that um, I don't know if we've, we've actually said to, to your audience that I am cancer free now. Um, and I said, oh my God, I got not only at this, not only at this, <laughs> at the very start, I said, not only am I going to beat cancer, I'm going to do it in 12 months. Now that's very cocky, but I did it in exactly 364 days. <gasps> I beat cancer. I was told there is no cancer in your body. Now I was told that in Mexico. So again, I came back to Australia. I gave it a couple of months. And I went for my digital imaging. So I went to the hospital for PET scan and they said, there's no cancer left. Did you walk into that oncologist's office and just go, mic drop? Like, what happened then? No, it's um, public health systems. It wasn't even my, I don't even have an oncologist. So who's your oncologist? I wouldn't even know, to be honest. I probably only met her a couple of times. It's just another random doctor. Any scans look pretty good. But again, there's no pat on the back. There's no ticker tape parade. There's no, well, yep. I think they're just waiting for cancer to come back now. We'll see you in six months time or we'll, we'll test you again. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you can give me a little bit of glory here, please. Come on. I'm oh, supposed to be I will give you ago. the glory. That is just the most <laughs> phenomenal, inspiring, uplifting story. And something that, you know, I lost my mom 14 years ago. I would have what I would have done. I mean, this could be a key to saving lives. And I'm not talking about just Mexico or the targeted therapy, but I think your whole, the point of view of making this your biggest project from morning to night is the way I think that we need to be facing something that is, that could take your life. Like, I think that that is the only way to be. You've got one hit of the ball, one hit of the ball. You're either going to do it. To me, there's no, there's no gray zone. It's black or it's white. I'm going to give this 100%. Um, I don't like to fail. Like most, I don't like to fail. I, I, I don't like to fail at anything. So if I set, <laughs> I set a project. Like, but this is a big outcome. Life. That's a big thing to play with, you know, and that's a big 
you took the risk and you committed to the risk and here you are cancer free what happens now do you keep practicing the practice what what happens next Look, I, I, I'm, I'm at a crossroads now, um, Zoe. So, I mean, I got this news in Mexico in November. So I've been pretty much cancer-free for six months now, but I'm still up there like a soldier every morning doing this protocol and doing this and doing that. And then at some point it's like, you know what? I have to step away from this now. To me, I had cancer last year. I haven't got cancer this year. So um, parts of the, 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 the protocol and the practice, I'm going to keep doing. Yeah, I'm still going to take THC. Um I'm still going to run IVs now and then if, if, I, if, I, if I want to. Vitamin C is very good for us, particularly in, you know, COVID-19. It's mm-hmm. great to have vitamin C. I've got the um, the access and the power to do that and the product at home in my fridge. I might do that. I'm still going to stick with a, you know, a plant-based diet. I'm still going to do my juicing. So there's parts of it that I'm going to grab and take hold of and, and, and do forever. There's other parts I'm going to go, you know what? I don't think I need to do that now. So I just have to listen to my intuition and I have to understand my body. And I've never understood my body better than I do post-cancer. What would you like to see change in your experience for the next Kate, the the next solo mum with a two-year-old that is given a death sentence? <sighs> more, more, more options, more understanding, more empathy, perhaps, more empathy. I don't feel I got the empathy that someone deserves, really. Um, you know, I might have got a pitying look from the hospital and a, you know, a, a, you know. But there was just a little bit of hope would be nice. A little bit of, right, let's get an action plan. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we can do. But I think the the medical team here is so, they're handcuffed to um, the rule book. They can't say, look, we're going to try and save your life because, you know, you, you're just not allowed to do that. Um, there are rules and there are regulations and stipulations that they have to stick to. So, um I don't blame us any any single person. I, I, I blame an institute, really. Um, it would have just been been nice to have a bit more hope, a little bit more positivity. I think that is the biggest thing I'm taking from this is the positive outlook that Mexico offers you, the hope. Look, you don't know what's going to happen there. And I do believe that half of it is that emotional um belief that there's going to be shifts and changes because you're in a space where it's allowed to be versus I'm so sorry, go drink wine, you're going to die. Because if you're faced with that door, you're going to manifest that door. So I, I, I think a big thing I'm taking away from this is, is your mental state di- directed by someone giving you permission to be hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it is. There was a, yeah, there was a door of positivity that was opened and I thought, you know, I'm going to walk through that. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to die. I, that, 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 op, that option was, was never there for me. I couldn't die. If I wasn't a mum, maybe I'd have taken it a little bit, um, I'd have taken this sort of sitting down gone, well, this is shit. You know, I've had a really shit time. I've lost my husband to a nice addiction. It's now my time, you know, and I would have taken it gracefully. But when you're a parent, you're, you're not only fighting for yourself, you're fighting for someone else. So that was true. My little girl was always my fighting force. And what do you say to the people that are just currently on the the stock standard chemo radio um, but are unsure of next steps? I'm not anti-chemo, I'm not anti-radio, different 
horses for different horses, you know. Um, chemo has been proven to work for lots and lots of people. Um, so I'm not anti anything. I, I'm not political. I don't get involved. I don't... All I'm doing is telling my story when I when when I speak. That's that's all I'm talking about. I'm not suggesting. I'm not recommending. I'm not pushing. Um, I'm just telling my story. I just want to thank you so much for your time. I think that you are incredibly inspirational to all of those out there fighting the fight. Um, to mothers, to daughters. I just think it's such a privilege to hear your story, and I'm so fucking proud of you for kicking it in the nuts. I'm so proud because- In the nuts, in the nuts. In the big ball sack, because this disease (laughs) is ruthless. It's brutal. And like your mum declared it, and you know, it doesn't care if you are a mummer of a two-year-old. So from one woman to another, I just applaud your dedication. And I hope that everyone listening feels- impact to be healthier, even if you're not fighting cancer. It really is about prevention. We can prevent this disease. So it is about prevention now. Let's not wait until we're diagnosed. Let's do the, and it's little small changes. You know, it doesn't have to be, um, you don't have to fix things overnight, but small changes. Yeah. Um, if anyone can take, you know, just just some small part from our conversation today, that makes me happy. It really does. I have had people come up to me in the street and hug me and say, "You have saved my life." Now oh. that is 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 the the most inspiring, heartwarming words you will ever hear. And it's not just one person. I've had multiple people saying that because I've I've you know they've they've decided to follow my path or go to this clinic or use this product. Um it's it's incredible. So I would just yeah if 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 someone takes something out of this conversation then yeah our time has not been in vain. Tell me Kate, who are you when no one's watching? Oh <laughs> you know what? I am I am the same person as I am when people are watching. I am the same person. I'm, I'm not sad. I'm not down. I'm not regretful. I am, I'm happy and enlightened and um, enthusiastic and positive. And I'm, I'm exactly the same person. There's, 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 there's no change in me. What you see is what you get. I've been an open book from the very start, from the very start of, 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 of life, I think. Um, there's nothing hidden. There's nothing I don't discuss. There's nothing I, I, I keep to myself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just a little old me. Well, I feel truly humbled and I am so excited to just continue watching your journey. Everyone can check you out on Instagram at It's Not Kate's Time. And um, yeah, girl, get those green juices. Get that vitamin C. <laughs> I'm with you. I sure will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're going to cheers to that. Tomorrow morning, I want to see you bright and early with a big green juice in your hand. Okay? Done. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. Thank you so you much. It. Thanks, sir. It's been my absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for our guests or for me, I'll be hosting a live Q&A on Instagram via at Zoe B. Marshall later this week. You can also submit questions and watch replays of the Q&A on Instagram via at What's The Deep. Don't forget to subscribe to The Deep on your favourite podcasting app. Please leave a rating and review. It's really helpful to help others discover the show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.